this morning we were supposed to have a guest speaker, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit said to go a different route, so I decided to preach this morning. And so tonight, instead of me doing my sermon series on things that we don't talk about, we will resume that uh, not next Sunday night, but the Sunday night after, okay? Tonight we're going to have the guest speaker, and he is all about missions. And today is Mission Sunday. Everybody shout Mission Sunday. This is Mission Sunday. And so I know that you're going to be excited. His name is Jason Tash. Jason Tash, he is from Indiana, and he is over a ministry called Destiny Rescue Mission. And it's all about bringing awareness to people and to churches uh, about sex trafficking. It's something that you have heard of, but a lot of people are not aware of the implications that it's having upon our society. And so tonight, as a part of our mission focus and emphasis, I want you just to open your heart up and listen to what uh, Brother Jason has to say about this important subject, all right? Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. It was a pleasure to worship with you. I've already been blessed. I've been encouraged. Uh, the presence just, I think I'm amongst the people who, who longs for the presence of God. Am I, am I right? Amen. I, I think I'm with a group of people who understands they've been rescued. I think I'm with a group of people who understands you've been rescued. I don't know about you, but I have been rescued. I have been rescued from sin and death. He has rescued me from the grave, and He has called me to life. He has opened up and shattered, and He's invited me into His kingdom. And He has allowed me to say rescue is available to you across the street and around the world. Amen? I believe I'm with a group of people who understands that, that we serve a risen Savior. That we have a God that is not dead. He is alive and you are living evidence of a resurrected Savior. I believe I'm with a group of people who understands this. That we, we not only have a resurrected Savior, we have an undefeated King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm telling you, He is advancing His gates all around the world and you get to be a part of it. And it is exciting to be on the winning team. Amen? If you're like me and you're a Cardinals fan, you're, you're getting used to not being on the winning team. So I just have to focus. With Jesus, I'm on the winning team. Every day you wake up, His mercies are new and He's called us into the light. I understand this and you do too, that there is a real adversary. There is a real adversary. There is a real enemy and He has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. Amen? And it is good to be a part of His family, His body. It is amazing, it is beautiful to travel around and see incredible expressions of His body across the United States and all that God is doing. And I'm telling you, Jesus has evidence. He's alive. And people are discovering it. People are discovering this light and this hope and this life. And, and I know that you are. And I am grateful for the opportunity to come share another way that Jesus is winning. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Thank you for opening wide uh, just your heart, your hospitality, and allowing us to come in and to share. I am with a, a, a ministry called Destiny Rescue. And, and Destiny Rescue... Um, was an organization that um, it didn't start out like, like, hey, let's just go start an organization. It came out because God hears the cries of the broken. God hears the cries and He sees the oppression. And just like He came to Moses and He says, Moses, I have seen the oppression of My people and I have heard their cries. I have come down to rescue them. I'm sending you. 
The same way he said that to Moses is the same call that he is giving to you and to me. He looked out over the crowds and he saw them as as sheep without a shepherd. He saw them hurting and helpless. And he looked at Philip and he says, what are you going to do about it? The same way he is coming and he hears the cries of the broken and he works through natural relationships with you, the body of Christ. He says, I've heard it. Have you? What are you going to do? Our founder, Tony Kerwin, he's from Australia. I wish I had an Aussie accent. Everybody listens better to an Aussie. I've noticed. When he's on the stage and speaks, everybody's like, oh, man, he's cool. He's from Australia. And he was with his local church in Australia, and they were going on a mission trip. And so he wanted to go, and he went to Cambodia. While in Cambodia, he had never seen such extreme poverty. He'd never seen kids hurting this bad, families hurting this bad, turning on one another. He'd just not seen this level of poverty and helplessness and hopelessness. His wife wasn't able to go on that trip, and so he goes home and he begins to tell his wife, I believe God is calling us to serve the children in Cambodia. She says, I haven't heard that one. He says, I I think we should pray about it. She says, I do too. And so they prayed about it. Well, the church was going on another mission trip. He says, I think this is a great time for us to go. This time it was going to Cambodia and to Thailand. And so they both go. And while they're serving in Thailand, they're serving with an organization that is reaching out to the poor and the oppressed. It's here that a gentleman approached Tony and offered him a child for 400 U.S. dollars to do whatever he wanted to her. And it broke him down inside. He had never seen this kind of evil. He had not been exposed to this kind of immorality. His wife was crushed in spirit, and it is in that moment that they heard God calling them that something has to change, that this must end in our lifetime. I can't know something and do nothing. I've learned something, so I have to do something. So he goes back to Australia. He was an electrician. He sold his business, sold his home, packed up his kids, moved to Thailand and began the work of Destiny Rescue. And for 16 years, it has been our mission to end child sex trafficking and to restore them into the image of Christ. I want to read something to you just to get you in the... help you understand what we fight on a day-in, day-out basis. Psalm 10 In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak. We see this every day. In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. These traffickers think they'll never get caught. They're above the law and they're beyond the touch of God, the reach of God. I'll always be happy and never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses, lies, and threats. He lies in wait near the villages from ambush. He murders the innocent, watching the secret, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. And he says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face 
and never sees. But we know God hears the cries and He is still on rescue. And the psalmist cries out, Arise, O Lord, lift up your hand, O God, and do not forget the helpless. And we are seeing Him answer that prayer every day. I was reading that before I came up, and, and, and that was um, it's Psalms 10. Matter of fact, if you want to write that down, um, as you're just praying, uh, if this becomes a part of who you are and in your prayer life, Psalms 10 is a great place to go, and it's just a good uh, uh, just imagery of, of the evil that even that they were fighting then in the heart of the psalmist, that the way he would see, and his heart just went out. And so it's just a, a, great, um, a great passage to um, continue to join his heart that God would arise and hear the helpless and deliver them. Uh, I'll tell you where else I'm going to be. If you do have your Bible or you've got a, a Bible app that you're using on an electronic device, is John chapter 5. And, and you could go ahead and, and get that uh, ready too, if you'd like. We're going to look at John chapter 5. One of the things that you're going to see, I guess that you're going to see throughout, whether you're out in the foyer or up here, is, is destiny rescue, you know, it's not enough. We, we don't just go in and, and rescue them and say, all right, the job is done, good, good enough. But we know that, that there's more to it than just rescue. So we, we rescue them out of location and vocation. We do rescue them out of harm's way. We do rescue them out of a, uh, just an evil situation. We think that for kids, especially, we think for all people, that beds are made for sleeping, not working. That every kid deserves a childhood and every kid deserves a safe bed. And so we go into some of the darkest places around the, uh, around the earth looking for underaged kids who are being exploited, enslaved, and misused, and abused, and sold. And we work to rescue them out. But again, it's not enough to rescue them. We then begin the restoration process. And in the restoration process, we're helping them with Christ-centered counseling. We're helping them with Christian education. We're helping them complete their own education. We're teaching them life skills. We're teaching them proper hygiene. We're helping them learn a new vocation. We give them the best jobs. We help them find the jobs of their dreams. We have, we have girls who are studying to become doctors and nurses. We have girls who are studying to become teachers. We, have, uh, we just helped a recently five open up their own business who are giving jobs to girls that are being rescued. It's not enough just to like get them out. We want to we wanna help them achieve what God has put into their heart. Girls with dreams become women with vision. I'm telling you, we're seeing it. And so as, as we help them restore this restoration process and heal and, and to learn what forgiveness looks like and to understand Christ and who, who uh, He is and who they are in His image, because many of them, they've had religious manipulation. I can tell you a story. I was sitting down to eat with a young girl who had been rescued. And in her language, I let her know it's the highest compliment you can give it's, it, it's different, it sounds different in our culture, but in their culture, to say it's, it's sumakma. It's, it's sumakma, which means all of who you are is beautiful. Your entire being is beautiful. Your thoughts, your heart, your passions, all of you, not your outer, it's your inner, your outer, it's all of it. You're beautiful. And she began to scream, shake her head violently, begin to pull at her skin. No, no. 
She got up and ran off. What did I say? So I asked the house parent and this um, young girl, 10 years old, has been told from the moment she could understand, your skin's too dark to ever be beautiful. No one would ever want you. You're trash. And so they begin to manipulate her, their family's religion. And that the only good they could ever do was to serve Westerners. And maybe their gods would give them favor. Religious manipulation. She's in our care. And every day trying to learn, no, the true king of kings made you. And you are perfect. And you are beautiful. And you have an, an amazing life. And that your purpose is not to defile yourself, to hurt yourself. That God has a great future for you. And it's a process. It takes time to undo some of that damage. I keep talking about stories. Human trafficking. Let's talk a little bit about human trafficking to help you understand where we are kind of in this fight. Human trafficking is a $150 billion a year industry. $150 billion. Billion with a B. Billion. $150 billion every year is generated from human trafficking. There's all kinds of human trafficking. There's forced labor. There's domestic servitude. There's bond servants. There's sexual slavery. Then there's child sex slavery. There's all kinds of human trafficking. It generates $150 billion a year. Out of that $150 billion, $99 billion of that is generated through um, sex trafficking. It goes through the pornography industry. It goes through the movies um, and, and the selling, the prostitution and the selling of, of people for this kind of pleasure. $99 billion every year is generated from sex trafficking. What we also know is that every year, one million, over one million kids are trafficked every year. If you were to take that one million over the time of a year, it means that every 26 seconds, somewhere around the world, a child is being sold. And we are on fight to end that. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you that God still rescues? Have I said that yet? God still rescues. He still hears the cries. He still sees the oppression. He still calls us to go rescue them. Let me tell you, in one of the countries, by the we're, we're in 10 countries. In one of the countries that we're in, the United Nations has moved the tier of, of, the, uh, of human trafficking, has bumped it, has lowered it a tier because, and they told us, Destiny Rescued is because, largely because of the impact you were having in this country, and they presented us with an award because UN recognized their tier has been lowered because of the fight that we're doing in that God is doing in that country. I've told you the stats that you're going to learn in the overview. It's $150 million a year industry, 99 uh, billion, or billion of that, and 99 billion of that is sex trafficking. Over a million kids are sold. 73% of all victims that are trafficked are trafficked in the Asia-Pacific region. 73%. 7 out of 10 victims that are trafficked are done so in the Asia and Pacific region. And when they come into our care, the moment that they come into our care, we no longer talk about their past. We no longer bring it. They are not known by their past. They are known by who Christ has made them to be in the future He has for them. 
and we begin to speak uh, speak uh, life into them. We begin to help them understand forgiveness and Christ-centered. I told you about Christ-centered counseling and, and learning a new job and their education and just being able to be a kid again. We're taking these kids to the zoo. We're taking these kids out on canoe trips. They're just having fun again and dancing and just enjoying life. The average age of the uh, child that we're rescuing, the average age is 15. We've rescued as young as 18 months old. It's a horrific fight. It's ugly. And there's a real adversary. But I serve a risen Savior and He still rescues. And I want to tell you, just let me tell you a brief story because the girls that we rescue, they are not a statistic. You are not a statistic. You are not a number. You are a person made in the image of our King. And so we don't want to treat these girls like a statistic or a number. These girls, they have a name. They have a beautiful personality, a wonderful smile. They have passions and dreams and a bright future. Girls like Zara. Zara, when she was six years old, her parents passed away. And so her mom's sister took her in. And that sounds like that would be a great thing for us. We'd like, well, that's, a, that's the best that could happen if both parents die, that there is someone close, an aunt, an uncle, someone close that could take this child in. You would think that would be a beautiful thing, but it was not for Zara. Zara went into her aunt's care at age six, and over the years, her aunt saw her as a burden, not a blessing. Her, her aunt would put hard labor on her and abuse her and mistreat her. Finally, her aunt got to a place where she was tired of having to deal with her, tired of having to provide for her. And so she took Zara into the city and sold her in a brothel, gave her to a brothel manager for some money. The brothel manager bought her, took her in, and wanted to test her. The brothel manager asked her older son to force himself upon her. Zara fought with all her mind, and was able to fight off the older son. This brothel manager pretended like she was a protector, came in and, you know, acted like she was the hero of the day and began to protect her and begin to inject her body with hormones to make her body develop faster. When Zara reached puberty, she, made, she, she offered her to a customer who forced himself upon her. And Zara tried to fight him. But he beat her. And over time, 10 to 15 times a night, Zara learned it's easier to give in than to fight. And our rescue agents were able to identify Zara, was able to discover her, and know that she needed rescued. And so we were able to get rescue Zara out. Now, before I tell you the beautiful part of her story, I want to invite you into another story in the Bible, John chapter 5. So sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Where was Jesus going? Jerusalem. Why was He going to Jerusalem? Feast. This Jewish Messiah is on his way to Jerusalem like all good, pure, righteous Jews would be doing, going for this feast 
Now in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now, if you're a pure religious Jew on your way to Jerusalem going to a feast where you have to be ceremonial clean, where would you not go? You're not going to the pool of Bethesda. But don't, I think you've learned this. I think you understand this. I believe you do. If you want to reach people no one's reaching, you've got to go where no one's going. Jesus understood this. He has come to seek and save that which is lost. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He didn't come to condemn it. He came to, to, to save them. Amen? So Jesus, He says, I'm going to the pool. He goes to the pool. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, you see, did you, like, did you hear that? Jesus learned something. Jesus learned this man was an invalid. He learned that this has been happening for 38 years. Jesus learned something. You've learned something tonight, I hope. You have learned that there is a $150 billion a year industry going on, the fastest growing illegal enterprise in the world today. You have learned that $99 billion of that is fueling sex trafficking. You have learned that over a million kids are being sold every year, that the average age is 15. You have learned... That 73% of all who are being sold are being sold in the Asia-Pacific region. You have learned a lot. Jesus learned something, so He did something. Jesus learned, so He did. If you know something, you have to do something. This is what James would tell us. He learned something, so He, he did something. He learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, and he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me. I think that is the saddest verse in the Scripture, in this particular story, maybe even one of the saddest in the Bible. This man says, sir, I have no one to help me. Here's what I believe to be true. Across the street and around the world, there are many someones who believe they have no one to help them. I believe that the body of Christ is more than sufficient because with Christ all things are possible. I believe that Jesus, through His body, can reach that there should no longer be someone who has no one. That His body is wide enough, deep enough, rich enough, far enough, great enough, skilled enough, empowered enough, filled enough, that we can reach those who believe they have no one. There should be no one who believes. There should no longer be someone who believes they have no one. That's what this man said. I have no one to help me. Zara felt like she had no one to help her. Our rescue agents identified her. Just like Jesus identified this invalid. Sir, do you want to get well? I have no one to help me. Pick up your mat and walk. Today is your day of salvation. We identified Zara. We rescued her out. We not only rescued her out, but we arrested the brothel manager. We arrested the ant. We closed down that brothel. It no longer operates today. Today, Zara's got hope. 
and she gets to sleep in a safe bed and she gets to be a child again and she gets to dream and she gets to have a choice about what she wants to do with her life. And she has friends and she has adults that love her Christ-like. She's learning to trust again. You know, um, even in our country, 60% of all those that are trafficked have gone through a child welfare system. 73% of all that are trafficked in our country began with a conversation online or through an app. We have to start paying attention to our neighbor because they're crying out. We don't always recognize it, but they're saying, I have no one to help me. And they're voicing it. They're screaming it in different ways. We, we have a worldwide family called Rescue Partners. And they're people just like you who have learned something and now they want to do something. And they have asked, they have just kind of leaned into God. And God, well, how is it that you, you want me to participate? How is it you want me to give towards this? And uh, we, as I said, we have this worldwide family of rescue partners. And because of rescue partners, we've been able to not only rescue Zara, but already this year we've been able to rescue 688 uh, who have been sold and they've rescued out and they're finding new life in Christ. Since, since 2011, we've been able to rescue over 3,000. Uh, who uh, rescue them out of darkness and bring them into light. God is winning. Uh, God is on the front lines of this battle, and He is res uh, rescuing them and restoring them. We still serve a God who rescues. Amen. Rescue partners are, are those that are just coming up, and they're helping us on the front lines. In fact, not only for uh, people like Zara, but rescue partners, when you give as a rescue partner, you are giving this uh, unrestricted funds to the greatest need on the front line. In fact, one of the things that happened was we got a call from one of the countries that we serve in. Their leaders called our organization and said, we have discovered a hidden brothel that is forcing boys to serve men. And we need your help to rescue them out. And because we had enough rescue partners who were giving, we didn't have to wait. We were just able to grab what we needed and go in. And we rescued 23 boys and made several arrests and closed that place down. That's the work you get to be a part of as a rescue partner. There was a, a because of rescue partners, we got a tip that there was a van full of girls that was going to be taken to a party and sold. And in this van, one of the girls who was 13 was going to be sold at the highest price because she was a virgin. But because of rescue partners and God's empowering, she's still a virgin today. All of those girls are rescued and safe, and the traffickers are arrested. This is the work that you get to be a part of as a rescue partner. In one of our countries, we have girls who are offering their daughter. They are being offered at a young age into a temple to serve as a temple prostitute for their entire life. Because of rescue partners, we've already filled up two homes. Like in, our, in the first month that we were there, we filled up two of our homes. Because of rescue partners, we were able to go, able to go uh, right away and open up a third. We don't have to stop. We don't have to wait. It's just as God provides, we're able to move forward. And it's because of those who are hearing the cries of the broken and the oppressed. And God says, I've come down to rescue them. I'm sending you. So I wonder, I'm inviting you into this pool of ugliness. You've learned something. Would you do something? I'm inviting you into the pool of ugliness. Become a rescue partner.
You know, we, we speak at a lot of college campuses. We speak to a lot of diverse groups. Let me tell you what happened at a church that we were at, and we were talking about the work that God was going to do. And I just happened to know the person, and um, she's older in life and has a lot going on. And um, she came up and she grabbed a hold of me like, I mean, I almost thought I was in trouble. Like, last time I got a hold of life, that's when my mama grabbed my ear. Like, she got a hold of me. And she says, Jason, I want to do something, but I can only give $1 a month. Would it work? You would be amazed what God's going to do with your dollar. You just asked the little boy that brought a sack lunch to try to feed the multitude. There were leftovers. Don't, don't let the enemy rob you. We have college students who are giving up a cup of coffee a day, and that's what they're giving to rescue kids. We got single moms, we got all kinds of people. We also have people who are doing well in life and they're giving greater, but God treats it as worship. And when you give it with a pure heart, he honors it. So don't let the devil tell you that what you have won't make a difference because it will. And you're going to get frontline updates and you're going to get the stories. On average, it takes $1,500 to rescue a child. I don't know, maybe somebody wants to just do that tonight. It'll go directly. It'll mobilize a rescue agent. You're going to get her story. You're going to get her, her picture, but... You can't do that. Be a rescue partner. Dollar a month, $13 a month, $20, whatever. It's rescuing kids and giving them the chance to choose Christ and have the choice, have the life that God has placed inside them.